This is week three in our series entitled, How to Be a Person. The question asked me when I was uh, in college, the person who asked me the question was in a position of um, a great lostness, I would say. They asked me the question not um, angrily, but with, with, with hope. Like, please tell me the answer. Tell me the secret. How do I be a person? I'm like, I don't know. As we read the scriptures we see in Jesus' life, there's this one verse that describes Jesus' like his entire life from birth to manhood. It says, And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. And these four things, we find four pillars of how Jesus grew as a person. So we're looking every week at one of these Pillars. It's about wisdom. How do we grow in wisdom? Last week we talked about stature. How do we grow in stature? So we talked, we talked mental, we talked physical. Today we go somewhere very difficult. And we talk spiritual. How do we grow spiritually? It says that Jesus grew in favor with God. That <laughs> growth implies it started small and had to be learned. And that's true about spiritual life. We don't know how to be spiritual beings. For us, trying to touch the invisible is not natural. It's difficult. It's a skill that must be learned. Jesus learned how to do this over his life. He learned how to grow in favor with God. So the question is, what is favor with God? What does it mean to grow in favor? Churches have all kinds. I'm not a church guy, but I'm a church guy. You know, so I got saved when I was 14. I've been in the church now for 26 years. I've been a part of at least four churches in my life, and I've seen how they try to help people grow. And a lot of our strategies... I'm going to get it blown up this morning by the Lord. How do we grow in favor with God? Matthew 7.21 is uh, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is going to tell us some things. He begins by saying this. He begins by saying, 7 verse 21 of Matthew. Stuck together. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We're to meet two people in this, this verse who didn't grow in favor. So we'll start by saying what growing in favor with God is not two things. We'll start there. We'll say what it's not, then we'll say what it is, okay? So what is it not? Growing in favor with God is not merely knowing about God. That's tough. It says here, people come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, they know who he is. They know his name. They know his ministry. They know who he is. And he says, I don't know you. So apparently, knowing about him is not enough. And in church world, this is our go-to move, right? Like Sunday school, our discipleship programs. Most churches are trying to take information and dump it in your brain. 
We think you know all the things. If you can repeat to me what I told you, that means you know it. That means you know the Lord. How many of us, I'm, I'm <laughs> when, there's a thing they call short-term memory. When I was in school, I'd study for a test. I'd cram for a test, and I'd go in there, I'd get an A on the test. You know what I'd do with that information when I forgot the A on the test? Forget it! That knowledge didn't change my life, it didn't touch my life, it didn't change what I did or who I was. Information can be trivial, it can have no impact on how I live my life. Knowing about God, growing in favor, is not merely knowing about God. Because a lot of people know about God and aren't with them. First of all, the Pharisees, right? In the Bible, there's this group called the Pharisees, and these people are always fighting Jesus. And these people, they're the smartest guys in the nation. They know the Bible better than anybody and they miss the point colossally because merely knowing about God does not mean you're growing in favor with Him. You can know all the facts about God and still miss His heart. The Pharisees loved the rules, didn't understand who God was. Who else knows a lot about God? James says, even the demons believe and tremble. Which means like the evil forces of darkness know more about God than anybody in this room. They don't love him. They don't know him. They aren't moved by him. They aren't shaped by him. They're separate from him. They know all this information. It doesn't change what they are. Another group that knows a lot about God. I, in my, uh, in my life, I have this, um, what do you call it? I have a soft heart towards agnostics and atheists. At our current moment in American history, the next generation, um, the millennials and Gen Z, they're in this moment of deconstruction. You heard this word before, deconstruction? People take the faith that they've been given, and they kind of they take it apart. Is it true? Do I believe it? And they take it all apart. And so I know, and that's happening not just in people's religious lives, but to everything. As, America, as, American, as Americans, we are deconstructing everything. The, the, the family, government, every institution we've received, we're kind of doubting and tearing down. Now, I have a heart for the generations that are behind me. And so I, I, I engage in conversation with a lot of agnostics and atheists, people who don't believe in God. Some of them are stinking brilliant. Just so you know, there's many people who don't believe in God, and they bring their A game. They have guns loaded when it comes to their reasons for not believing. There are many atheists who know a lot about the Bible, who know a lot about God, and they are far from his heart. So growing in favor is not merely about knowing about God. Knowing about God is not the silver bullet. Growing in favor with God is not, it's not about knowing about God. Neither is it doing things for God. Listen to this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name, 
did we not prophesy and in your name cast out demons and in your name do many miracles? And I will say to them, I never knew you. I did all these things for you, God. Don't, don't I get in? Look at all this stuff. Look at this pile of stuff I did for you. Isn't it enough for you? He's like, no. Doing things for him is not how we grow in grace and grow in favor. This is tough. There's a story Jesus tells about two sons, two brothers. So a man had two sons. One son leaves home, takes a bunch of money, leaves home, dishonors the family, dishonors the father, blows his life up. That guy's called the prodigal son. We've all heard of this guy. But one son stays home. And when the lost brother, after who knows, years, finally returns back home to dad, and dad is thrilled that his son is still alive. The dad throws a party celebrating his son's return, which is a picture of God's heart when sinners come home. It's never too late to come home. Never. Never. party's going on and the older brother's nowhere to be seen so the dad goes outside and finds him says come inside your brother who was lost has been found come and celebrate and the older brother also reveals his card and he says dad all these years I've slaved for you and what have you given to me and he reveals his heart in that moment the older brother is so the, the other brother is the sinner who goes out and is stupid everyone sees they're stupid the older brother stays home, and they do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. They're trying to do stuff for God because they want God to owe them something. God, I won't cuss, but you better give me a good job. God, I won't get divorced, but you owe me good health. Like People do things, the elder brother did things for God, but he did them trying to get something. He is just as lost as the younger brother. He's just as lost. He's doing things for God to get something. That is not love, is it? Doing things to get something. <laughs> Imagine if you're a parent. I don't know how your life went. In my life, our first child was a girl. We had a girl first. A girl softens you up as, as a father. I don't know what it is for moms, but man, it softened me up. I, I was a tough dude, and then I had a girl. There's this great scene in the movie Paddington. It's an old movie. It's a, it's a newer movie. And in the movie Paddington, this guy's on a motorcycle. He's driving down the street with his girl. She's pregnant on the back of the bike, and they pull up to the hospital. And he's got, the guy's the coolest. He's got like a big old mustache. The coolest guy in the world. He goes in the hospital. And the camera, they come back out, and he's in a suit, got a minivan. That's what happens. You're the cool, you're, you're the tough, you're cool, you have this little baby, and you're, you're scared, and you're soft, and you're afraid, and you're, you love this child. So I have a daughter. Now imagine, imagine, if a kid comes up to you, and your kid goes, Dad, Mom, don't you know I love you so much? You being my parent is the greatest blessing God has ever given me. No, I, I, they would be like, I've waited for this moment my whole life. Like, they get, at first, 
right? At first, this is why I sacrifice so much. They see, they see, and they know. But imagine what the next breath is. Can I have 20 bucks? <laughs> it makes you wonder if all the words were just get the 20 bucks, right? A lot of us treat God this way. We do things for him, trying to get something from him. That's not growing in grace. A lot of us treat God like a checklist of things I must do. If I do all these things for God, maybe he'll give me something. I knew a lady, young woman, grew up in the church, did everything right, you know what I'm saying? Met, married her high school sweetheart, they get pregnant, have a couple kids, get a house in the suburbs. It, it, it's the American dream, right? The husband gets sick, he gets sick and dies. I remember, I remember what she said to me. She said, it's not fair, I did everything he asked of me. Now, it was a moment of great pain, it hurt, I understand that. But she revealed her card. She did she lived that life, and she's like, God, you owe me. I've been a good girl. You better give me what's coming to me. And a lot of Christians live this way. It's why so many of us, when the world falls down around us, we ask the question, why me, or what did I do? We, a lot of us assume if, if I'm doing the good, right things for God, bad things won't land on my head. And that is not true. We can't leverage or manipulate or bully God to give us things. And we spend our lives doing things for him, we will think he owes us. And when we don't get it, you know, you know how we'll feel? We'll feel cheated. We'll feel cheated. If I think God owes me, and don't give me what he owes me, I feel cheated. These people come to Jesus. They come to, they come to the Lord, Lord, in your name. Look at all these things I did for you. Aren't I your favorite? He's like, no, man, I don't know who you are. Growing in grace is not merely about knowing about God, and it's not about doing things for God. And that's pretty much, as a church, what we do. We say, believe the right things and do the right things. That's the church's message a lot, right? And that's not bad. Knowing about God is not bad. But there's more. And doing things for God is not evil, but there's more. So the question is very simply to us, what? the question is, well, then how do I grow in favor with God? If it's not what I believe, and it's not what I do, how do I grow in grace? How do I grow in favor? Listen to what Christ says. I will tell them, I never knew you. Now, this word knew is a very funny word in the Bible. It's used in weird ways. It'll say in the Bible, and Abraham knew his wife, and she was found to be with child. The word knew means this intimate connection. It means, 
In that instance, it is the most intimate of connections, but it's also used of deep friendship. It's not merely knowledge about. It's something more. To know in this way, he's like, I, we were never friends. We never talked. I don't know you and you don't know me. Our definition this morning is very simple. Growing in favor with God means growing in a relationship with God. It's not about God. It's not for God. It's with God. I had a friend of mine in college. He told me, he said, one time he said this, I never forgot this. This man was my next-door neighbor roommate. Maybe the best man I ever knew. He was morally, <laughs> like, um, you may not know this. This is true. Um, I went to college, and on my floor, the floor I lived on, in, in, at, I went to the Moody Bible Institute, a fancy Bible college. And my floor was known on our school how bad we were. We were, we did a lot of bad, we played pranks, we, we missed our classes, we got in fights, we were crazy. I found out years later that this school of mine that I went to, they decided, they decided, you know, they said, you know what, we're trying to train pastors and we're only getting all these good kids. We need to lower our standards and let some new believers, some of the rough kids to come to our school. I was that class. Like me and all the guys that got in trouble, we were all an experiment for the college. What would the bad kids come to Bible school? What would happen? It lasted two years. Uh, but the guy next door to me, great dude. Like we were all train wrecks. He was a good dude. And one day he told me, he said, you know, he said, Ernesto, I've always known there was a king. I knew the king had rules, and so I obeyed those rules. And then he said, I just didn't know the king wanted to be my friend. This king, this high and lifted up king, he's not just a judge. He's not just an angry father. He's not just a cop on the side of the road with the, the alarm thing, the sticking radar speed gun. He's not just that. Growing in grace with God means growing in relationship with God. Um, when I was younger, I dated a girl before Angie. I didn't know her then. And uh, this, I, I, I was a pretty messed up individual, so I was a pretty awful boyfriend. Uh, uh, I tell my daughter, beware boys, because they're bad for a long time. Um, this is a girl I dated, and I, 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 I was genuinely a bad boyfriend. I was, I was like, genuinely, I, I, I hurt her life. Um, I remember sometimes she would say to me, we'd always get in these fights, and she would say, I just want you to share with me how your day went. So I'd tell her how my day went. I'm like, I'll, I'll do this thing, and she'll stop being mad at me. Then she would get another fight. She's like, you never asked me how my day was. 
And I'm like, I already told you my day. What more? Like, like, so I kept on doing these things she told me to do. And what I didn't realize that whole relationship is that all she wanted me to do was actually give a rip about her. I was just trying to do, like, I was trying to dot all the I's. Do, you know, here's a list of four things. I did one, two, three, and four. Now leave me alone. That's not love, right? That's not affectionate. It's not kind. It's very selfish. I wanted to do the things I had to do and have a girlfriend. That's all I wanted to do. And for God, a lot of us are the same way. We'll know about him. We can know some of the truth about him. We can do things for him. But a lot of us, if we're deep down honest, we don't know how to call upon his name for help. We don't know how take comfort for our soul on those devastating days where everything is gone. I had a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, whom I love in the Lord. He had three boys. Rambunctious, create, boy, you know how boys are. Run, scream, sounds come out of them, they laugh. Uh, but uh, him and his wife get pregnant uh, for a fourth time. And all they want in the world is a girl. And the ultrasound comes back, and it's a girl. And the pregnancy goes forward, and life is awesome, and they have a name picked out for her. They go full term, nine months. And I remember the word came down that something felt wrong. She, the mama, I mean, moms know sometimes, you know. And she goes to the hospital. Something's wrong, and they look, and there's no heartbeat, so they, 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 they do the stuff. And uh, they give it medicine to start the delivery process. And uh, the baby was born, stillborn. Full term, nine months, and the baby was born. And the baby was gone. The baby was born dead. And they held that child. They mourned that child. And the word came to me what happened. And I remember I went up to the, I went up to the upstairs bathroom, turned the fan on. I just, I prayed and I cried for a while. Just because I felt so, I hurt for this family that I loved. I didn't call my mentor because I didn't know what to say. What do you tell a man? What do you, what do you say? So I didn't call. I waited for a few weeks. I knew family came to visit. I just stayed away because I was, I was one of his disciples, but I didn't want to bother him. So finally, weeks passed, and I call him. And um, wait for a moment. Um. So I called my buddy, and I was nervous, and I was scared. I know what to say. I, I, I asked the dumbest question you can ask, right? What's the dumbest question you can ask? How are you? That's the first question we ask. How you doing, dude? Like, I, I know how he's doing. How you doing, dude? And he was quiet. And this man said to me, the Lord is good. How do you say that in that moment? I'll tell you how. This man had learned how to sit with Jesus, how to rest in Jesus, how to receive grace from Jesus. In the normal, everyday goings on of his life, he had learned how to walk with. And so when the world fell down, Christ wasn't four towns over. 
He was right there across the table. You know what I'm saying? He knew how to say, he knew how to just fall down and fall in his arms because he was that close already. A lot of us, we don't, a lot of us, God is, he is four towns over. He's an awesome idea. I felt him come a little near, but it's so scary I kind of pulled away afterwards. This man walked close to God as when the world fell down, he knew how to get comfort. He knew how to find hope. He knew how to find strength. Now, did he, did he cry? Of course he cried. Did he hurt? Of course he hurt. But his life didn't fall over because he knew his life had grown in favor with God. Growing in favor with God means growing in relationship with God. That's all it is. It's this relational, everyday deepening. I have two brothers. They're both not here. They're both sick right now. One of them got COVID for the third time. <laughs> Other one, hopefully, doesn't have COVID too. They were together two days. <laughs> um, I'm like, I love you. Don't come over. Um, My brothers are my best friends. I love my brothers. Do you know how come we're so close? I'll tell you. We lived in the same room for 18 years. Time is a powerful thing. We spent time together. We did all, we, we rode bikes together. We went on hikes together. We fought together against one another and against the hordes. We, we experienced life together. And that day by day being with deepened the bond. That day by day, the, you know, there's a rule I live by. Here's the rule I live by. You got to have quantity to get quality. You got to have quantity to get quality. This is a rule I live by. What I mean by that is this. Um, I can't run home today, run into the house and say, son, sit here. Son, let's have a moment, Father, Son, go! You can't do that, Ken. You can't make a moment happen. So instead, what do you do? Instead, you play Uno, and you watch movies together, and you go outside and rake, and you, you go on drives together, and you spend all this time doing all these normal, everyday things, and once in a while, what happens? In the midst of the everyday, lightning strikes. You have a moment you never forget. When it comes to God, listen. A lot of us want to feel God, don't we? I want to feel Him. I want to know He's real. I want to know He's there. Here's the big secret. You can't make yourself feel Him. You can't. Read the Psalms. Read the poetry of David. He feels far away from God a lot of the time. That's a normal part of being human. We walk by faith, not by sight. I pray most every day of my life. Every morning, I get up thinking early. Student, now, some of you I know, some of you before in the morning, God bless you guys, okay? <laughs> 6.15 to me is early, okay? It's 6.15. I have time. I have time to get clean. I have time to pray. I have time to walk my dog and listen to the Bible. That first hour of my day is so quiet. 
and peaceful with God. Because when I pray every morning, here's, here's the reality. Most days I pray, nothing crazy happens. No trumpets. No lightning flashes. No tears fall. Now I know he's there. I know he cares. I just can't feel it. So I go every day and I knock on the door. Lord, I love you. I know you're there. I need you. Every day. I'm right there. But once in a while, in the midst of all that quantity, and that daily seeking, sometimes, there's a story in the Bible where Moses says, I want to see your face, O oh Lord. And the Lord's like, uh, you'll die. <laughs> and we don't understand seeing him in his fullness. You've seen Indiana Jones, right? When the Ark of the Covenant opens and they see the glory of God, you don't want that. So God says, Moses, go in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to pass by you. You can turn and see my back as I walk away. Even that little glimpse, dude, even the little glimpse. What does it say about Moses? His face would glow sometimes seeing that little bit of God. So I, so I pray, I pray, I pray. Once in a while, I pray, and it's like God just is like, I'm here, I love you. It is crazy when it happens. It, I mean, it shakes you. It like, it's all real. He's there, and when you, when, when you, when you just, just like, touch, like, it's crazy. In the Bible, there's a part where Jacob's fighting God, and God touches Jacob, and his hip pops out of socket. It's like that, but good. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bink, and you just, dude, sometimes it's like your breath, you can't even, it's like, here's the thing about that. I can't make that happen. It's not like, if I pray seven times, then I'll hit the lottery. It's not how it works. Growing in favor with God is simply learning to be near him, learning to listen to him, learning to wait on him. This is hard. And Jesus learned how to do this through his life. Jesus, who was now in flesh, and you see in his life, he would leave the crowd and go away for a whole night and just wait on his father. He learned in this life, how do I connect with my father who is in heaven and I'm on earth and there's this distance between us. And Jesus learned how to build rhythm into his life to be near God even in the midst of the walking, the talking, the, the cramps, the soreness, all of it. Growing spiritually is important for us. And a lot of us put it on like what? We put it on coast. It's on the back burner, for real, it really is. How do we, as normal people, grow in favor with God? How do we grow in relationship? Again, remember, quantity brings quality. There's this, this thing called spiritual disciplines. Fancy word, simply let's say it this way. Holy habits. We have to build into our lives these little habits, these little islands of space and silence for the Lord. Life fills up fast, man, doesn't it? How many, like, I have a to-do list on my phone, and my phone has a little badge with a red number saying, 
you have this many things left to do today, okay? I start off most days like 14 to 20 things to do in a day. When I go to bed, usually six to eight are left over. That's a good, that's, I'm killing it when that happens. I'm killing it. That tyranny of the urgent. It's very easy to think, I, I got to do this and this and this. By the time you do all the things you've got to do, we haven't even considered our spiritual life, our heart, our soul. Not even come to question. Some of us aren't even that busy. We just have, you know, we just distract ourselves, right? I got Netflix and HBO Max. I mean, who has room for the Lord? I'm, I'm being serious. We, we, can, we can fill our life with entertainment, can't we? Holy habits are simply things we build into our lives that I want to make part of my living a seeking after God. I want to be near Him. I want to practice reaching out for Him. I want to be with Him. And again, I don't pray to get something from Him. I pray to be with Him. See the difference? I'm not praying to get something. I'm praying to be with him. Imagine. So Miss Sylvia in the front row here. She makes great enchiladas. So imagine, if you will. I go to visit Miss Sylvia and she makes enchiladas. And I'm like, oh, ho, 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 I eat them. And she takes me over uh, next week. You want to come over again? I'll be there. And I come over and she's allowed her made again. It's my favorite place to go in the whole world. So I'm coming over like every, every Tuesday. I come over, we have enchiladas for lunch every week. One day I show up and no enchiladas are there. And I'm like, uh, where's the enchiladas? She goes, oh, I didn't have time to go to the store. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yes, sir. Next week I don't show up. I don't come. And, she, and, and because of that, I don't come. Because of that, I don't come. She, and she, 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 she begins to wonder, did this person come over because they're my friend? Or because they eat like my food. Like, what's the reason? And here's the thing about us and God. We can't approach God. When we approach God, it cannot be to receive the gifts of the giver. It must be to be with the giver of the gifts. That's the thing. Being with God is not about his stuff. It's not about his stuff. It's about him. And if I have him, the rest can fall down. I mean, Paul said, I consider it all loss if I had him. The heart. For me, I'm so bad at holy habits. I had to attach habits to things in my life that I do every day. For example, I know I'm going to eat. So I attach prayer to my food. Which sounds silly, but for me, it's a chance for me to stop and just like, Lord, I'm checking in. I love you. Some people, do, some people make fun of playing before you eat. At least for me, it stops me in my running, and I recenter on the Lord. One thing, that's one thing I do every day is I brush my teeth every day. If you don't, you should think about that. Um, <laughs> it's a habit. I have a habit of brushing my teeth every morning. And so I attach prayer to teeth brushing. So whenever I brush my teeth, I know I'm going to take the time to pray and brush my teeth. And so taking that, habit, that spiritual habit, taking it to a physical habit, it's become part of my everyday routine. I walk my dog every day, and if I don't, she lets me know about it. So I'm like, I, I, I didn't know where to put the Bible. I, 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 
for a while, for like a good year or two, I couldn't, I, I wasn't reading the Bible very much every day, and I was like, man, Lord, I, I miss having this, bit, missing talking to you in the, or hearing your word, or listening to your word. The one day I realized, I walk my dog every day, instead of listening to dumb podcasts about board games or Apple products, maybe I listen to the Bible read out loud. And so I began listening to the Bible every morning I walk the dog. And so I take these things I do every day, and I attach them to normal habits so that I am around God in my everyday life. Now, I don't know what your habits are. I know a brother in Christ, who, who, uh, he worked at GM, he'd go out to his car for lunch, and he'd go out to his car, and he'd eat his lunch, he'd pray in his car. And that was him making a holy habit in his life to be with God. I don't know your life. But there are these holy habits that help our soul reach out and be with God. Again, don't be guilted into adding more to your life. I'm not trying to guilt you. What I want to do, I want to make you salivate with desire about God's presence. I want you to miss Him and desire Him. Guilt is not a good motivator. Guilt ends, doesn't it? Angie and I go to lunch every Monday afternoon if the kids go to school. So on Monday is my day off. In case you don't know this, if you call me on Monday, I'm not going to answer. I'm sorry. I love you, but not on Mondays. Um, <laughs> it's my day of rest. It's my day of rest. My phone is up in, by my bed upstairs. I don't even look at it. Um, I wake up Monday. I'm smoked. I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I... I, I I'm pajamas all day. What a great day off, right? Just, it's just great. Now, I used to, on my Monday, my day off, I used to just sit on the couch all day and watch all the football games. I watch them, like, after the fact. And it was just a great day to watch football and to drink Coca-Cola. It was great. But I realized in our, our married life that we just didn't have, we, we, we didn't have a lot of time together to talk. There's always kids and running and always, like, things. Like we got to hang out. we got to have time just to talk and hang out, you and me together and be together. So I'm like, let's go to lunch on Mondays. So that means I have to, like, shower on Mondays now. <laughs> i gotta wear, I, I got to chase out of my pajamas and wear clothes. <laughs> now, I, when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, like, when I'm getting dressed and ready on Monday, I'm not like, stinking wife, i got to get dressed, take her out to lunch, stinking life sucks. I don't... You don't hear me grumbling like this. I'm not doing this for her to get something. You understand? I'm not doing this to appease her wrath. <laughs> I'm doing this because I love her and I miss her. And I want to be near to my beloved. This is the heart of God followers. I want to be near my beloved. I don't pray out of guilt. I don't pray to get things. I pray because I love the Lord and I need Him. Lord, I need Him. Every hour, I need Him. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to Thee. Growing in favor with God simply means growing in relationship with God. The big three. The big three for growing in favor prayer, the Bible, and community.
those, the big three, is prayer part of your life? Is the word a part of your life? Is community a part of your life? That's something that you need to talk to, pray about, think about. That's between you and the Lord. We are currently in our Flint City Book Club, reading a book right now about holy habits. If you want to join us, it's not too late. We're reading a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. We're always on it Tuesday at 12, talking about that. But I encourage you. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. He is good. He is he says, if you seek me, you will find me. What? Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Ask and it shall be given to you. And he says more. It's like doubled up, spilling over. Oh, it's so good. With all that said, let us pray together, church. Lord, your son, Jesus, he grew in favor with you throughout his life. He learned how to be near you. He learned how to listen. He learned how to wait. He built into his life this rhythm of running and resting. He built into his life ministering and being replenished by your spirit. We want to grow in favor with you. We want to grow in our spirit. Lord, give us a hunger and thirst for your presence. A hunger and thirst for you. Not born out of guilt, not born out of manipulation, but born out of a simple desire to be near the one who made us. So Lord, bless the hearts and the intentions of all those that are here. Help us find habits to put into our lives. The habits aren't magic tricks. They're just ways for us to stop and be near you. So Father, um, bless the intentions of those in this room. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.